Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Bengals ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Look, they show you the view from every seat, and then when they show you the view, it's like the empty stadium, so it'll give you the real feel of what it'll feel like at Paul Brown Stadium for a lot of games. Uh, but it, you you look, and then it's a two-tap, easy, tap-tap tickets, cheap tickets. You can also get music, theater, but if you're trying to get to the Bengals game, it's easy to get cheap tickets anywhere, but especially make it more convenient. So head to the App Store or Play Store. Now go to Download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. of Hear That Podcast Growling. I am Paul Daner Jr. And here, my special guest, our esteemed editor and Estonia's finest, Dave Ninimitz, is gonna is, is filling in for Jay, who is, I believe the word to use is gallivanting across Europe right now. Yeah, he's definitely gallivanting. I mean, he kind of gallivants around here, but you know he's gallivanting over there. He's gallivanting around Europe as if every city has a free Kid Rock concert. <laughs> they might. <laughs> they, they might. I do want to say, you know, uh, since since you know you're you're in, you're involved in your you know your reading and and going through and helping us shape all the beats. I was really happy to read Justin Williams' John Brannon feature and find out that he loves Kid Rock. That just yeah. slid right in there in the middle. And I was like, are, "Is this? Is it?" There, I feel like Kid Rock is way too at the center of some of our uh, uh, you know, some of our <laughs> well, sports programs it. right now. Chris Mack was a big uh, Kid Rock fan as well. In fact, I think they're buddies, and I think they've done some Kid Rock concerts together. So throw Jay in there. We've got uh, we've had quite the triumvirate of Kid Rock fanatics around here. Boy, that's how you start a pod, right there, boy. That's what you do. You just, you just, you, 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 you bring them in with the Kid Rock talk. I, <laughs> that's all you got to do. Uh, we do have a lot to get to, though, uh, in case people have not been paying attention to the uh, the flaming dumpster fly, uh, floating down the Ohio <laughs> River. Um, there is a lot going on in Bengals world. Um, namely, after nine seasons, essentially, uh, Andy Dalton has been benched as starting quarterback. Ryan Finley uh, is going to take over for the, essentially for the second half of the season. It looks like this is a for-good move, according to Zach Taylor, who says it was his decision. Um, so that's a big deal. Uh, we have a trade deadline passing and nothing happening. And I had a story this weekend uh, sort of trying to take people inside the Bengals thinking on why they are not active at this trade deadline when everyone in the country really is saying that they need to do something, right? That's <laughs> that's kind of even even uh, you know Adam Schefter was putting them on blast yesterday. Uh, yeah. it was, everybody is sort of trying to uh, pilfer the good players that are on the Bengals and and put them out onto decent teams in order to see them play and see the Bengals rebuild. Um, but their opinion was sort of, uh, well, we're not really here for that. We're not here to, to, to yeah. do that. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic as the fan base sort of yells the opposite at them. So we got that to get to. Um, we'll see how long all that takes because there is a, a lot to unpack in those couple of topics with uh, one A.J. Green at the center of both, um, who I find to be the most interesting figure in all of the news this week even though he's technically kind of out of it. I think this is actually, he's as much in the center of it as anybody. Uh, we'll have some run passer boot. Uh, Jay won't have stats today since Jay's in Europe, but maybe, you never know. I feel like we'll, some stats will pop up and we'll have some honorary Jay's got stats. 
Yeah, we'll try to use the metric system too. Put those stats. <laughs> Okay, got to tell you, that is frust- one of the most frustrating parts of being over there outside of like not knowing how much anything really costs. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that on my expense report, by the way, Dave, uh, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, is is, you know, I I get that the metric system is very simple, but for someone whose brain is not wired that way, it can be a bit frustrating to have to centimeter things. I don't leave the country just for that reason. Yeah. The Estonia in you, though, should be more comfortable with that. <laughs> that is true. It should be second nature to me, but it's just not. Uh, let's dive in. <laughs> you know, put, put in extra vowels in our yeah. names. That... <laughs> uh, you, you may or may not be stealing a small little piece from Run, Pass, or Boot later, Dave. Be careful now. You're... Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Estonian <laughs> theme. Exciting. Estonian theme, Run, Pass, or Boot. That's a tease for you. Uh, All right. So let's go. Let's start with Andy Dalton. Um, I, I was I've been asked by a number of people, you know, the sort of question being, are you surprised by this? And my answer is, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that we all had sort of moved on mentally. I mean, everyone sort of assumed that the Dalton era was ending. This was going to be it, and uh, but I didn't think it felt like okay. You go to Finley in like December or something, you know, which is only a couple game more games away. Um, yeah. You know, so it, so it felt like that would be something you would do as they play out the tail end of this season, see what you got. I didn't see think they'd do it at this point. The poor guy. I didn't think they'd do it on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not sure I totally understand the outrage over that. No, I mean, no. Like you know a, what would really? 12-year-old or something. I would love to hear the outrage if they're like, well, we really wanted Finley to get a long practice in uh, on, before he goes on this bye week as his first time, but we didn't want to bench Andy on his birthday, so we decided to <laughs> wait until next week. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I think isn't that where the real outrage would come from? Are we really <laughs> – like the guy's going to have a great yeah. birthday. He's living a great life. He's got a beautiful family. He's going to go home. He's going to have a cake and presents. Like, look, it, sometimes bad things happen on your birthday. You know what happened to me on my birthday in 2011? I was supposed to go to Keeneland, and the Bengals traded Carson Palmer and ruined it, and I didn't get to go to Keeneland. That sucked, okay? <laughs> this guy's already got, like, almost $90 million in the pocket. Like, I was trying to win 50, and I had a lot on the line, okay? Yeah. Like, th- yeah, no. bad things happen on your birthday. It sucks, but let we all move on. It's true. Elvis died on my birthday, by the way. Oh, man, tough break. You want to talk about bad things happening on your birthday? Yeah. The bottom line is sometimes bad things happen on your birthday, and, you know, that's the way it goes. Sometimes the cake's bad, you know? You get a bad cake, or you, yeah. or you, wanted, you wanted angel food, he, and Andy, you're sitting here with some red velvet that you don't like. Andy really just got a really bad cake yesterday. Particularly that's bad. That's a good yeah. way to look. No, that's a really bad cake. That's But he'll be who he'll makes be bad, right. Who makes the he'll worst cakes? Right. I don't know. <laughs> I have a bad cake. I'm trying to think who would make the worst cake. Like, where would he have gotten this? Cake? I haven't power ranked the cake makers lately, but you know, Ooh, get some. That could be something we, for us. Later. We can work on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, but the bottom line on this is, you know, I, I I think when when you look at what this really means, it's just it, it's just hitting a little bit of a fast forward. On what we all knew was coming anyway. Yeah. This was what was happening next. It was what whether Andy played out this year, whether he played out four more games, whether he, you know, whatever, whether it happened like this, where they're going to move to Finley after the bye. The 2020 Bengals were almost certainly not going to involve Andy Dalton. This was his do or die year to come in and show that he can mesh with this system and with this coaching staff and find a way to make all of this work together. And and is it his fault? No, he's like he's like the seventh biggest problem with this team. And probably maybe even further down the list, right? Like of all the things that we're talking about. However, you know, at a certain point if you know that this guy's not going to be part of your future and you do need feel like you want to know about Ryan Finley, 
I don't I don't really necessarily have a problem with that. It's just sort of being brutally honest and saying, look, we know all we need to know about Andy Dalton, that he's not a part of the future, and clearly you're not going to be winning games this year. Let's see what Ryan Finley looks like. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's the right move. And I think where we get a little bit stunned by it is it just doesn't feel like a Bengals move because they move so kind of glacially with these things and not like other teams would. Um, I think eight games was a fair sample to see if this worked with Andy and Zach together. I think I would hope most fans realize, no, it's not all, all on Andy. I think there's that element if you go back in time to every backup quarterback ever, that there's an element of fans that think the backup quarterback some sort of savior. And I think that's going to be a big part of this is the patience to say, okay, this is an evaluation period. This is not a, we're going to try to get to eight and eight period. I, I think people know that. I think they know Finley's got a lot stacked against him, but it's the, when it comes down to it, it's the right move. You, you have to evaluate, see what you've got. And it, just put you one step closer to figuring out what you want to do in the draft. If I think we had one comment yesterday of somebody, or I think it was in your column in the tweet that somebody trying to say, what if he becomes Tom Brady? Well, let's put the, the brakes on that. But if he does prove to be serviceable, if he does prove to do some things that you weren't ready for, he may give you that opportunity to say, hey, we're going to go after Chase Young in the draft and we're going to go one more year yes. to get a quarterback. I think some people would lose their minds over that, but I think that's that's the thing. Do it on the bye. Give him eight games. If he's terrible after four games, maybe give Dolagala a chance. I mean, the, you have some options now instead of pushing it off to December. You know, it just it feels weird because it's the Bengals, but I think it's the right move. Yeah, I, you know, that's the the draft implications of this are interesting because I think if if you look at it as as most scouts have, and I'm really excited uh, for our bonus pod this week. I'm gonna do strictly quarterback looks. College, the the top, the in the top of the of the draft. I'm gonna have Dane Brugler on our prospects uh, expert. Uh, we we'll talked to Joe Goodberry, who who did a thing last week on Joe Burrow, and we're gonna talk about Tua Tagovailoa. We're gonna talk about Joe Burrow. We're gonna talk about Chase Young. We're gonna talk about the top linemen in the class. We're gonna talk about what the top of this class looks like, and what most people say. And I'm really actually looking forward to hear what Dane says on it. Is he um he had his uh, QB ranking QB tiers piece is that what what a couple of, it was an AFC North exec I was like oh do I need to do I need to go and ask Duke if he's an AFC North exec <laughs> like do we need to go if, if he's anonymous it could be anybody but it was it was quoted as saying there's a gap there is one and then two and then there's a gap and so I, I think the Ryan Finley experience could be if he's good enough it, it, and I'm not saying he's even going to be Dak Prescott, but if he comes in and he gives you something that looks like, well, maybe he could be Dak Prescott, right? Like maybe he's yeah. just, maybe he wins you a few games and you're picking third. You now can feel comfortable. Okay, well, you're going to go forward with Ryan Finley for one more year and get Chase Young and, you know, or, or whatever you're going to do if it, rather than take a chance on a guy who maybe Justin maybe you think Justin Herbert is not going to be that guy. Right. Well, if if Ryan Finley is good enough, it does open up so many other options. Or if he's terrible and you don't have any other options, uh, you know, either you say oh, you're going to go back to Andy Dalton for one more year, or you realize you've got to do whatever you got to do to move up that one spot or get that guy, or you realize you have to pick out of the rest. Whatever you got to devise another plan. Yeah, but I, I think to go into that without a big enough sample size to make an intelligent decision, a we have talked about this organizational franchise defining decision is yeah. whoever that quarterback is going to be. It's the only hope they have of, and I'm gonna and, and we've been saying this, and it's kind of true of almost keeping this team in this city. Is this quarterback being something, yeah. being the guy? Because they need something to turn this franchise around, to turn the conversation around in this city, to change the way people view this team. And if it's not, if it's Achille or Klingler, we have gone 90s, full on, no stopping, and this time it's with Elise coming up 
and that deal ain't getting done and you know what comes next. Yeah. And getting these answers or questions answered, it's so important right now for the, for all those reasons. And in a weird way, this is kind of a good thing that's happened just in that before the season and last year, we were talking about what are we going to do with Dalton? You know, like when you think back to Mike Sando wrote a piece and he's followed it up on the tiers of quarterbacks. And at the start of the year, it was, you know, looking at teams that are kind of stuck with that third tier quarterback and they're better than what you could have, but they're not as good as what you could have. And now that question's off the table. You're not looking at when, when Dalton's deals up, you're going to pony up tons of money for him. You're starting fresh. So this, this kind of clears that slate and you're right. It's kind of a make or break here. And if, if Andy had gone out and pulled out a seven and nine season and everybody felt okay about it, are you going to just keep going with him? You know? So there's so much, I think that gets defined from this point forward and you get those, uh, those questions answered and you're right. What they do with that next quarterback is going to be very pivotal. Yeah. And the best, maybe the best, I don't know. I don't know what the best case scenario is anymore because it's all so bad. <laughs> but like, <laughs> maybe the best case scenario is maybe Ryan Finley is a guy, you know? Yeah. Maybe he is. And maybe you sort of solve that problem and you don't. But really, I, I asked this. I was on with Mo Egger yesterday for our normal Tuesday spot, and it was all we had a lot to talk about. Um, and I said, what would make you more optimistic about 2020 in the general future of this team if they finish this season four and four or they finish this season zero and eight because it's a problem and this goes in this is going to feed into the trade deadline discussion it is a problem if this team doesn't think this coach can win if if and not just that, that maybe you you wonder organizationally if he can't. And if you go 0-16, this is you have a big problem in the offseason. Big yeah. problem. Yeah. And if if you go four and four, there's a little Travis Steele here, right? Yeah. There's a little, okay, well, you know what? It took a while. The roster was a mess. He figured it out a little bit, found a way to win some games. And I know people don't want to hear that. It's, it's it, it reeks of everything that the 90s were, right? Mm -hmm. But at least you could feel like there's momentum and you're building on that. And the roster that is coming back does look at it and say, look, the second half, we figured it out a little bit. It took us a half a season with the new every all the new stuff. Now they're going to bring in some new pieces and turn the roster over a little bit. But I think this coach is the real deal. He did figure out a pretty tough thing. He made a pretty ballsy move and got a quarterback that won for him a little bit. Like That's real. That's tangible. That can be worth something next year, even though no one thinks there's any value in winning this year. And so I wonder, I mean, it, 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 it kind of plays into both of these discussions, and that's why they were not just going to give up some of their pieces for absolutely nothing, uh, because they do see some value in winning this year. Yeah, and I think the only way you avoid what you're saying there is if you're overt about your tank. I mean, nobody, I don't think anyone out there is going to hold it against Brian Flores of what Miami's doing. That game the other night, you know, you could see where moves were being made to ensure they did not win that game. The Bengals aren't that way. There's no kind of outwardly saying, we're going to lose, we're going to tank. So I think you're right. I think you need to show that they can win. I think, it, imagine the miracles that would have come from just beating Seattle, you know? That alone would have changed a lot of people's perspectives, but you're sitting at 0-8, and, and if you're sitting at 0-16, and, and like you say, even the organization is saying, maybe this isn't the guy, um, you're back to square one on everything, and that's that's a major problem. Yeah, a major – I mean, among amongst many major problems, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many problems, like, and so many of them are major. It's uh, pretty it's, easier, it's just hard to, to easier to sort out whatever the problems – whatever problems there aren't. Like, Auden Tate's pretty good, you know, that's – but Not you know, a problem. yeah, Auden Tate, Auden Tate looks good. I, I enjoy <laughs> but, watching Auden Tate. Yeah, that might be it. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, you know, I do think if you're looking at if if you're you're okay, 
it's a total mess. Let's go back to square one of roster building, right? Let's just go back to the very, very beginning. It's coach and quarterback, okay? You got to figure those two things out. And I do think that the second half, they will start the process of figuring those things out because uh, if if it goes, if it continues to go the direction that it's going and they can't find any sort of positive momentum, even after keeping all these people and now they're going to get healthier and, you know, all that stuff, you do have to wonder. And I, I, again, do not think that they would let go of Zach Taylor even at 0-16. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to figure that out, and then you have to get the information you need on the quarterback. So if you're saying, all right, everybody stop screaming, right? Like <laughs> you're in one of these disaster situations. Everyone shut up for one second. Let's stop. And realize where where do you start? Okay, yeah. where do we start? No, no, seriously, shut up. Like, you know, you're yelling at everybody. And then you stop. <laughs> Coach and quarterback. That's where you got to start. And so let, the, the decision seems to be, let's do what we can to figure out this quarterback situation and see how much of it is Dalton. And I do get the impression this has been building, that they have been, like many fans have been, like anybody <laughs> – I am. I, I was kind of amazed a little bit, and I mean, people listening to this, maybe everybody had a different thought to it. I was kind of amazed at some of the, all really a lot of the pro Andy reaction that came. I was like, I have heard nothing but people ripping this dude, even when he was doing really good for years and wanting him out and get rid of Andy and McCarran guy and everything. And then when it happens, it's like, why are they benching Andy on his birthday? And, and this is ridiculous. And it's not his fault. And, you know, and I just, I was kind of, I'm always sort of surprised. And I don't know how much of the fan base at this point is just anti anything the Bengals say or do. Yeah. It's probably an element of it. But I was kind of surprised at how many people were like, oh, no, that's not the move. And, it's kind of surprised me. Well, yeah, it's. I think there's some level of um, you're always going to have the people playing quarterback for everything, and uh, that that has been out there for a long time. I would say since they stopped making the playoffs, it was move on from Andy. I mean, people were pushing for AJ McCarron for how long, and look at how he's flourished since he's left the the Bengals. So, um, I. I think, you know, it's it's tempered because if you look at the comments on the discussion topic we had, I think there was a lot of, and this is this is the athletic readers. They're just smart. I mean, you know, if you if you look at Twitter reaction versus uh, comments on our story, uh, you see that there's a more intelligent take a lot of times on our comments. And I, I think a lot of people were measured on it that they kind of had the caveat that, well, we know this, this wasn't all on Andy, but it's time. And I think those... Those are the adjust the well-adjusted fans that are going to handle this the best, or the ones that aren't, you know, crying about it being his birthday and moving on to what's logical. So, but it is there is that interesting. It was kind of that way with Marvin. I mean, everybody wanted Marvin out, and then when Marvin was out, there were quite a few people that stepped up and said, "Well, no, Marvin got us to the playoffs." So, I think you're going to hear that on both sides with everything. But I think you're right that whatever the Bengals do, somebody's going to have a problem with it. And if you're listening closely right now, I think what you really hear is way off in the distance, somewhere in another time zone, you can hear a couple of feet propped up on a desk, the click of a wine glass <laughs> sitting on the table, and the deep, deep cackle of a coach saying, her, her, her. <laughs> I think, you know, it's <laughs> somewhere, you know, Marv has got the wine flowing. The cellar is, the cellar is, is just popping bottles down there. Don't, you know, don't deep we, down, as much as he probably feels for some of those guys on the team that maybe he yeah. was close to, there is so much hashtag vindicated Marv <laughs> happening right well, now. And I don't, I don't want to sound like a Marvin apologist, but we do have to step back and appreciate him to some degree for the simple fact that when you're the head coach of this team, it's like no other team. I mean, you, you have to be the spokesman for the team. You have to deal with not getting any real uh, movement from the front office to do things. So you have to kind of make do with what you've got. And if he had a winning record, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but 
you have to kind of give him credit for weathering the storm all these years. But, you know, when all's said and done and you don't win any playoff games and the team's swirling the toilet, you got to go. But, uh, you know, there has to be some level of satisfaction for him to just look and say, yeah, that's uh, that's what you get. So, yeah, and there it's just man. And so much of it, so much of this too is is ma- this job is managing all of that stuff and man i there's a part of me that you just feel for zach taylor like this is a dude who has never been an offensive coordinator before his at least not really not putting in his offense and trying to execute it and on this level and he, his offense is struggling mightily you're trying to like create this culture and that is an ugly process you have all this stuff going on with people screaming and yelling about the need to tank. And, you you know, you're trying to manage the thoughts of this front office, which is unorthodox and a fan base that hates them. And you're 0-8. Like, you talk about swimming. Like, it, there's no more swimming. Like, the floaties have been burst. <laughs> There's no, there's no, there's none of that. The little like unicorn floaty, you know, that maybe you have on that was like your last ditch hope. Yeah. You're like, what is that in, in, in Titanic when Jack like just floats off down into the ocean, right? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the hand might, this might've been like one of those weeks where the hands like might crack off soon. Mm. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't think Kate Winslet's going to save him in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it, it, there's so much that you're trying to deal. You just no human, no human can handle all of that, you know. Well, and it, it's it the fact that he is so young and experienced. That's the kind of coach you're going to get here because I think so many know what they're getting into. I, I think there's a reason Eric Bieniemy never really wanted this job, at least it appeared that way. Uh, he knows. He's been in the organization, so why not wait for a better gig to come up? And you almost have to be an inexperienced guy who comes in that's willing to just get that, get that first head coaching job. Somebody's always going to want it. But, man, yeah, that's a, that's a big hill to climb when you're a guy that's just trying to get it off the ground, get your career yeah. off the ground. I do think, you know, in in a lot of the conversations that I've had in the process of, you know, a a number of different stories, including the one that came out on Sunday after the game, I I think there's still faith in Zach uh, that, you know, they understand the undertaking of what he's trying to do in in, with everything. And and I, I don't I don't get a sense of frustration bubbling up with him in the least. Um I think they realized that this is a this was a monumental task, and it's been proven to be much more monumental than anybody realized by the what has happened over this disastrous first couple of months, and and that's just the bottom line of it is that it's gonna take it's gonna take more time than they thought it was. They didn't think it was a rebuild; it's a rebuild, right? And this is the stuff that happens. This is how this looks when you're trying to pull that off. Um, the other side of that, and we can dive, let's, let's dive into the trade deadline side of things because, you know, I, I want to, I want to talk about AJ Green first because I'm very, very, very interested in his reaction to the benching of Andy Dalton, the dude that has thrown him nearly every single touchdown pass of his career that they came in together, picks one and two in 2011, it feels like the end of an era. That, I mean, we've literally called it the Dalton Green era. I mean, that's what it's been. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it is franchise-wise. And so if you're going to end the Dalton era, like, what is happening with how will the other side of that handle it? We already know he's a guy that has been making sure he gets all the way back to 100%. And he because he knows that this is the deal, this is – his eight weeks or whatever it's going to be to show he's still that guy, that he still deserves that money, that he deserves to be paid like Julio Jones, that he is still elite, that he is not necessarily injury prone, that you know the injuries haven't caught up to him, and he's got a very small sample size to reprove to everybody. And now some rookie's going to be throwing him the ball? Not the dude he's been spent his entire career playing with? Yeah. I mean, to me... What is his reaction going to be? And 
All I know is this, not that he owed it to anybody to talk yesterday, but he did dip out the back and, and avoid the locker room yesterday. And, you know, as you're listening to this, he may have even, he's probably already spoken. There's a locker room this morning. Uh, we're recording this early on uh, whatever day it is. I'm so lost since I got back from London. Is it Wednesday? <laughs> with, the, with the bye week and the London, I'm just totally off. It's Wednesday morning, early Wednesday. There's an open locker room late in the morning. We'll see what is said. I'm He will be my number one target, not Dalton, not Finley. I want to hear A.J. Green because I, I have a – a concern of how this lands. I have a concern. Now, that's why I was asking Zach Taylor so much about it in the press conference uh, on Tuesday because, and he said he was the one, AJ was the one guy he spoke with one-on-one. The other ones, he went around and he went into each of the meeting rooms and told them, told the meeting rooms individually during the, the that period. So popped into tight ends, let them know, fielded any questions they had, went over to, running backs, offensive line, when he went to receivers, A.J. one-on-one. Because it's just a fragile situation, you know? And, and like, when after this weekend, you know, kind of got the impression from the club that something that I didn't think they would be willing to do, but sounds like they're more than willing to, to franchise tag A.J. Green, which would mean the potential to tag and trade, the potential to tag and then gives you till about mid-July – that, that franchise tag deadline that happens to complete your long-term deal. But what have we seen a lot of those guys on that franchise tag do after that? Hold out, yeah. right? We've seen hold out. So you're opening it up to hold out. You're opening it up to tag and trades. You're opening it up to taking this guy who you want to bring back and build around and be the centerpiece for everyone in the locker room to look at, and you're going to anger him. <laughs> yeah, Like that's that's the guy who's supposed to be the happiest dude in the room preaching the message okay and you need if you can't get a long-term deal done with him and you can't make him happy and have him love being here and be a part of like i am all about being the leader of this rebuild then he needs to not be here and i wonder what his feeling is on all of that stuff right now into the point that will he come back and play the rest of this year and let Ryan Finley throw him balls while everyone's judging him? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he 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 could make himself more money if you want to look at it that way. If he comes back and he's part of them suddenly winning some games and it's because he's back. But he also could go blow a knee. And he's got to start making business decisions on this. I, I just wonder, and, and you wrote a column about it after Zach said, no, that guy's not going anywhere. Why not just get it done? I mean, how far apart are they? How much are they really trying to get this deal done? Because I think that would send a message that, okay, we're taking care of this asset. We're committed to it. We don't want this to be an issue in the offseason. We don't want to have to even get to franchise tagging him. Why not just get it done? Are, are they are they scared that the injury issue is bigger than they think? Do they want to try to gamble with the whole franchise tag thing? We know they don't like to necessarily wheel and deal. So the thought of franchising him and trading him seems kind of out of the question to me. It it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it's, this isn't the kind of franchise that does that. Um, I think that's, that's the weird thing to me is why not just get it done? Why not just check that box and, and not make this an issue down the road? I think there's I think there's a couple of sides to that. There is they don't want they they do want to see him and just make sure okay, wheels still work like looks good to me, right? I think there's an element to that. You don't want an Antonio Bryant nine million dollar practice situation right. to happen again. Um, and 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 I understand that. Um, and also takes two sides. The 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 fact that how long it has dragged on, um. And even partially the fact that it wasn't done before he that Dayton practice, that fateful Dayton practice, when the season ended before it started, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, also says how much does AJ's side want to get it done? Look, I don't know how you can look at the napalming of the organization by Adam Schefter, who has always been a line to AJ's camp. Always. Look at all news that has surrounded AJ almost forever. It always seems to come through him. Yeah. Uh, Napalm in the organization. Trade. All, who's stirring these trade rumors? Right? Has been the question. I've written it. 
Bengals.com has written it about AJ talking about his desire to be here long term, to be Larry Fitzgerald, all of that stuff. Open about it. He wants to play. He wants to be here. So if he's saying that, is it is it his agent side of things that's been stirring this pot up the whole time? Because what? They want to find out his trade value. Uh, they want to find out his true market value. Uh, or secretly down low, they're trying to do what agents do. Do and say the things that a player who's a nice guy doesn't want to do. Yeah. Right? If you really want out. You're not going to say or do that yourself. You're going to be the guy who wants to be the team guy. You're going to say all the right things. Let your agent do the dirty work. That's why you pay those guys. Yeah. And is that what's happening here? I, I, I am. I, I've found. To, I was a bit taken aback by the anger coming from ESPN's Adam Schefter uh, on social. I thought that was a telling thing because that's fed by agents. That's that, and that's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's napalm in the organization. Uh, from somebody like that, and maybe he's maybe he feels like, you know, we know Marvin has a line to him. We know that we've seen that over. We saw that backfire, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite quite spectacularly. <laughs> but you know, you know, so there's a lot of you know old. There, there's just there's a lot there, yeah. and and again, so how much of that is real? How much of it is not? How many snaps? How many games will AJ Green actually play? this year and i think you know if 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 you were sensing discord and you were the bengals they should have just traded aj right he's got his most he's got he may have more value if he comes back you're right if he comes back and plays and looks great he may have more value in march or july or whatever whenever you would decide to try to make that next move um maybe he does and maybe you realize when you get into negotiations deep and you're really on a deadline and it's not happening that okay, then we'll make the deal, and maybe you get more for him. I don't know. Maybe you put kick that can down the road. Um, but also, why not blow up the Dalton Green air on the same day? Yeah. I mean, you're basically it's what it is. You know, if you, if there was if maybe there wasn't a deal they felt good enough that maybe they were overvaluing AJ Green. And I understand the fact of like, okay, would you rather have the the stability or the assured sure thing of A.J. Green for the next four years, even though he's had injury problems, even though he's going to be regressing a little bit, would you rather have A.J. Green in his 30s or Billy Price? Right? Yeah. Like, we've seen these first-round picks in their 20s. Cedric Abwehi. Right? You hope you get William Jackson. But even then, like, who would you rather have? And they feel like there's value in a little bit more certainty rather than the coin flip that a first-round pick can be especially those around here that have been worse than coin flips. They've been like not even coins. What are those? It's like, it's like a, I don't know, some sort of like rock that they threw into the air, hoping it would land on heads, but there's not a heads on there. <laughs> so, so I, I get some of that logic and kicking that can down the road. You just, I, I want an, I want truth serum. I need truth serum on 18. That's what I need. Yeah. I don't feel like we really know. And, I, well, and I've, it's it just some signs point to other stuff. It, I think it's as, it's as clouded as anything because he's not a diva. So, like, you know, you get the diva receiver that is going to pretty much air out their dirty laundry for the world to hear. And you're right. If there's if there's more to the story, AJ's not going to be the guy to, to make a stink about it because that's just not AJ. So, um, But I, I agree with you that if, if you don't feel like it's going to get done, a, a trade would have just made sense. And we don't know. We don't know what was offered up out there. And again, you don't know what the, the agents are throwing out there that trying to make it sound like he's worth more or worth less or whatever. But uh, it, that's what's kind of puzzling to me is if you really want him and you want him to be here, you, you make it worth his while. But they may be way farther apart than we realize. If the Bengals have you down and they've got you wearing your sweatpants, not taking them off. They're stained. You're sad. You've been crying and drinking all day. You don't want to go out. Look, you're sick of all the microwave leftovers, the frozen pizza, enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. It connects you to all your favorite restaurants in the city. Door-to-door delivery in all 50 states in Canada. You order from your local go-to's. Choose from your favorite restaurants. 
Next thing you know, get in the app, order it up, Chipotle. You're eating burritos. Life is better. But right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code GROWLIN. GROWLIN. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the pro- promo code GROWLIN. Don't forget, that's promo code GROWLIN for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Uh, let's get to the rest of the trade deadline here because I tried to outline a lot of this in the story, so I'm not going to go through a lot of the minutiae that's in there. Um, if you if you do, I guess if you're listening to this on, on iTunes or, or free, I highly recommend being a subscriber. Um, I'll, I'll get into some of the details, but I, I don't have the time to, to dive through everything. It was, uh, in depth and, and, and worded just the way I wanted to, uh, there. So I don't want to stumble over something else, but, um, look, the, 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 the side of the, the, why don't they do something from there? I'm, this is their view. I'm not, this is not, I, I, I can be very quickly convinced and I could make a pretty convincing argument and may and and say that this the way they should have gone is just gone nuclear, right? Just you know what? Screw it. Every all th- all must go. Like you know, just total fire sale mode. We talked earlier though. They do see value in winning games this year. That is an important line. Is the most important sentence in understanding their point of view. If if that's what anybody cares about, I don't know if anybody cares about their point of view anymore, honestly. But. I'm here to try to tell you what their point of view is. They do care about, they do see the value in winning games, which we outlined earlier. With that being the case, the idea um, of trading anybody that's left on the roster for, you know, nothing isn't really, doesn't make much sense to them. So, and who are we talking about? You're talking about guys who are in the last year of their deals because anybody else, they don't, this is not a deadline to trade those guys. This is not a deadline to trade, um, insert name here, uh, you know, even Geno Atkins or, um, Carlos Dunlap or whoever, right? Is it there? It's just not a deadline. It's, It's a deadline for guys who in the last year of their deal. That's where the value, otherwise guys that you would be letting walk for nothing. So Tyler Eifert, uh, Andrew Billings are probably two of the most notable that have value that teams like uh, Eifert first and foremost. They weren't getting, you know, third and fourth round picks for Eifert. It turned out to be a lot of talk and a lot of teams that weren't willing really to give up any real value. You know, the point that was made to me a lot by people organizationally was that, hey, we're not going to fix this roster with a bunch of sixth round and fifth round picks. It's not that's not worthwhile. It's not and to them it's not as worthwhile of gaining some momentum a little bit this season even. Or in the case of Billings, letting a guy go who maybe they have some interest in re-signing and bringing back. Um you know, so the idea that they missed out on that they they have some menu that's full of second and third round picks. Oh, should we use do we get should should we take second and third round picks for, <laughs> you know, for nothing? No, that's not what it was. This was about A.J. Green, who we just talked about, and Geno Atkins. Those are the only two guys with real value. And you can make arguments they should have just shipped those guys out for as much as they could have gone for them. But their thought is they don't have enough good players. They don't have enough stars. Why would they give up the couple that they actually do have right now? Because their roster doesn't have enough high-end talent, and they need to keep those rather than give them away for a chance that they could get somebody who might be as good as them. And quite frankly, clearing that cap room don't really mean crap when you don't have anybody that you can really pay anyway. This, the roster's such in shambles that it's not like they would let that money go and someone else take it on and then they give it to somebody else. They don't really have anybody to give it to. Yeah. That, that's how big of a mess it is. Yeah. So it's it's all there's so there's just a lot there's just a lot to that. But I the that's that's where they're coming from with it. Yeah, but you know to go back to Eifert. This really reminds me of the Matt Harvey situation the Reds had last year, where it almost doesn't matter if you don't get much for him. What What is the upside of keeping him for these last eight games? Even if you're saying, we want to try to win games, they're barely using him as it is. He's healthy, which is rare. So if you were ever going to get value out of him, it's right now. And there are teams out there... I, I do believe some of that talk that there were teams that were inquiring about him 
because there are teams that need tight ends. Um, I just, I, that's the one that I just didn't see the value. If there was, even if it was a sixth, well, you could parlay a sixth as part of another package down the road if you're trying to trade for somebody or you're swapping, swapping draft picks. To me, that's better than just keeping a guy around you're not really going to use. It's at the end of his contract, and there's there's no huge upside to keeping him around. You you don't you don't gain much out of that. And I think it kind of goes back to the fans on this because they're feeling like they're just getting their the you know the Bengals are just thumbing their nose at them. That just they're basically saying we're apathetic. We don't really care what you think, and we're not really going to do anything to change. So. To even make a move like that, and I don't think you want to make moves based solely on what fans want, but it would show something. I think it would show something. It would get people to say, okay, even the Dalton move yesterday, it's showing something that they're going to try to do something different. So I get that with some of the bigger names. I get that you maybe still want to get what you can out of AJ and Gino and guys like that, but it seems like if nothing else for a PR move to make a move and even get a couple picks might have been worth it. You think they care about PR? No, that's the problem. And I, I think that's, <laughs> that's why people There's are just, no doubt that that is not a part of their equation no, ever. But I guarantee yeah. you that's why fans are banging their heads against the wall. It's like there's some common sense things here that I think people would be like, okay, we got a couple extra draft picks. They'd take that. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think it was one or the other. I think you go full... You go full nuclear and you trade uh, AJ and Gino and Eifert for whatever for for the pittance that was being offered and even billion whatever like you just do that you just trade all the everybody you know you 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 do whatever you got everybody's got to go yeah and whatever you can get anybody that's actually willing to give you a draft pick for any player you do or or you just kind of ride it out and wait to the off season to really make your big moves. Yeah. Which and I think is, is, is what, what, what it's more about. I think I mean, to me, to me, the one thing that I think has come to light is that this, they don't, and maybe I didn't do a good enough job of making the centerpiece in the story. They don't view this deadline as the benchmark that most people thought it was. That is like whether they're going right. to gut and overhaul the roster or not they still view it as they've got all off season to do. They're not really missing out except for on maybe like a fifth or sixth round pick for Eifert, right. you know, like that, that we're really talking about here. Right. And that's not going to change anything. They have an off season to gut the guys. They don't think are really helping them or the ones that they can go get. And the other side of this, the fact that when you look at across the league, how how we thought we were building to a crescendo, but really it was all over. All the deals were really done early and by a select few number of teams, and you could certainly make an argument that the Bengals should have been amongst them, but was that this whole deadline was a lot of talk too. It was a lot of talk, a lot of chatter, a lot of mixing it up for a lot of teams on both sides, whether bad teams with good expensive players or good teams claiming they want to add a piece, neither were really willing to cross over to give up assets that mattered. Yeah. And unless you're willing to do that, um, that's how these things get done. If the Patriots just throw caution to the wind and give up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, yeah. like that that's how trade these trades this time of year really get done. Or Jalen Ramsey with a couple of ones. I mean... That's how that stuff happens. It, it turns out that a lot of teams were talking and a lot of names were being talked about, but I don't really know how many of those teams on either side were actually really serious. Maybe some teams were pretending there were and some teams weren't. Yeah. I will say this. It's nice that the NFL has kind of moved into that, uh, you know, baseball, basketball type deadline excitement, at least. Uh, for so many years, nobody would get traded by the deadline. So, you know, all said and done, there were quite a few trades leading up to it, and uh, I think that's kind of exciting. But it's good for the league. It's absolutely good for the league. I mean, they should do whatever they can uh, to continue to make it more conducive for teams to to want to make these moves. Um, because I mean, it's like we talk about anybody. Anybody that's an NBA fan, the best part of the NBA season is in February yeah. at the deadline. It's, it's like the right. only good part of the regular season. Yeah. Really the best part of the NBA is the off season. 
and the finals. There's like you have like the one week in February, <laughs> you have like two weeks in like May and June, and then that first week of free agency. Yeah. And the rest of the NBA kind of sucks, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a good assessment. Uh, all right. Well, we have. Oh yeah, and they're not. People, how is Cordy Glenn still here? Two parts to the answer to that. One, I have no freaking clue. Two, that nobody else wants him for yeah. the reason one. Well, they, you know, <laughs> Nobody wants him because they all see what's happened here and that, that this dude has no desire to play and who knows what the hell is going on with that guy and they don't want to bring that into their locker room right now, no matter if he could come out and be an adequate left tackle or not. That's, I mean, that's an interesting aspect of this that gets overlooked. And I, you had kind of mentioned in your column today you had little blurbs next to each guy, you know, that there wasn't much interest in this guy or, you know, there's an issue with this guy. There's that aspect. It's easy for fans and everybody else to say, well, trade Cordy Glenn. You know, people want offensive linemen, but he's kind of radioactive right now. Like who's who's going out of their way to give something up for him? And they probably can sit and wait and see if the Bengals just cut him at some point. You know, I, I don't think anyone's rushing to get a guy who's not playing. So... You know, that kind of goes back to that. Are you just going to take uh, a box of crackers for a guy just to get him off the roster? It's, you know. As long as they're, by the way, as long as they're salted, I'm pretty sure they would say yes. Zesta? Are those Zesta? All right. They, let's they go. are Zesta. They're club. Ooh, club cracker. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Fancy. Throw in cheese and it's done. The first round pick of crackers. <laughs> Ooh, should we do a crack? Next time, next time we have you on, I think we should do a cracker draft. Yeah. I'm I'm down like with I, that. That that seems like it would get more listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be dicey trying to tweet it out, but yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> but I do think the club Zesta salted oyster in play Ooh. here. Like yeah, I, I mean, so. let's talk about oysters. <laughs> uh, you know what? Run past her boot. All right. Run past her boot right now. All right. Club Zesta Zesta salted oyster. Ah, I'm running with club. I mean that's. That's a no-brainer. The other two, though, that's a toss-up. I disagree. I disagree. I am booting club. I am wow. booting club. I am. I am running with oysters, and I'm and I'm passing on on zest. I love. <laughs> I love an oyster. I, I eat like an entire box or bag, depending yeah. on what I've purchased of those oyster. Like, I just can't stop. I'm addicted. Every brand's a them. little different, though. So like, yeah, every that's true. Oyster cracker is created the same. Whereas if I'm getting a box of clubs, I know what I'm getting. I literally just stole. I just stole the little bowl of oyster crackers uh, from my daughter at Skyline yesterday. Like I, well, I'd wait for her to not be looking, and then like steal like three more out of her bowl because I, I was out and the, the waitress wasn't around. Yeah, I'll do that. That's, That's how much I love oyster crackers. That's quite an admission there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> she didn't miss it. I'd have gotten her more. <laughs> All right. Well, since we we have really exhausted all those topics, um, so you you went you ran with club. Did you ever make a decision on the rest? I'm gonna pass with oyster. I'm gonna boot. I'm gonna boot Zesta. All right. All due respect to Zesta. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's go. Um, we already did a Bengals run passer boot earlier. Uh, so I I have one for you. I have a run passer a run passer boot for you. Um, what is more what is the most Estonian? Okay. The double I, a love of track and field, or Margus Hunt. What is the most Estonian? Run past her boot, Dave. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with the double I. Because you're not gonna yeah. be Estonian without a double vowel. That's just not gonna Yeah. Happen. Although <laughs> this kind of brings me to I'm gonna jump straight to the boot is Margus. Because where's his double vowel? I mean, he oh, violated. Yeah. Are you questioning his yeah. Estonianism? It's like he violated the first rule of Fight Club if it was Estonia Club. <laughs> you gotta have a double vowel. So, so Is there's anybody that. more Estonian? He was a he was a national champion. I mean, he had a great great nickname, the Eastern Block, for his yeah. play. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm going to boot him. I think he's been too Americanized, and he's not Estonian to me. Um, wow. Wow. He's not Estonian to me. Not Estonian enough. If you went to the dude that used to play for the Titans, his last name was Roos, R-O-O-S, 
very Estonian. That's true. So very, very um, Estonian. It's amazing we've had multiple Estonians in the NFL. How about that? Yeah. Uh, all right. That's good. Good. Good perspective. All right. You have one for me, and then we'll roll. We'll roll. I do. Here. I'm going to do it in honor of Jay, um, since we missed Jay today, and he's he's as you said gallivanting around Europe. Which one of these things is Jay most likely doing now? Right now, I don't even know what time <laughs> it is over there. Is he on an Iron Maiden reality tour, a la the Jay Peterman reality tour, touring least? <laughs> He's going around East London, seeing where Bruce Dickinson, the Bruce Dickinson. The Bruce Dickinson. Yes, he's finding out more about Eddie, the big uh, 40-foot zombie mascot. That's one. (laughs) Two, is he at Stonehenge asking other tourists where the closest Arby's is? (laughs) Or, Or is he C, on that big London Eye Ferris wheel, Throwing salt in people's eyes like he did back on the Beast back day. Now, as a side note, Jay acted like he didn't do that. It was this mystery friend that did all the the mischief, yeah. and Jay was just there as some sidekick. I, to make yet another Fight Club reference, I believe he is that other guy. That's his Tyler Durden, and he was the one throwing the salt. So asking his, for a friend, if you right, will. right. So to to recap, you know he. He said that he and his buddy, or his buddy, would throw salt up in the air going down the hill on the beast, so it went in people's eyes. Is he doing that on the London Eye Ferris wheel? Which one? Of those, <laughs> who, what do you? Which ones do you uh, pass on? Do you boot? You run. With? This is re- this is this is really hard. Okay, I'm gonna say. Uh, I am going to. Uh, I am going to run. I am going to run with asking people at Stonehenge where the nearest Arby's is because I feel like his love of Arby's trumps all really. I mean, that is what this is all about. Um, so I'll start there and then I am going to pass on, uh, the Iron Maiden reality tour, because if there's anything that comes close, it's his love of, of, of heavy metal and rock. And so I will say he's, he's doing that. And I, I, you know, I'm gonna kind of believe Jay a little bit when he says he didn't actually throw the salt in someone's eyes, and the London Eye is stupid. Uh, <laughs> although it is kind of, it does kind of fall in line with something that maybe Jay would want to do just to say he did. <laughs> but I think he might come up with other tricks to like, you know, screw with prank people on there besides the salt. Sure. So all that coming into play, I will boot the the London Eye. But look, I, I, it's I all think, about it's all about Arby's. It's I all think, it always comes back to Arby's. I think that's. Means? That's the correct boot simply because he doesn't have the velocity on there. They're slowly going to throw the salt. It's just to walk up to somebody and just chuck it right in their face. And that's, that's not Jay's style. He, he wants it fast and you never see it coming. You're right. Oh, I love it. Uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. We, you should have to, uh, you should have to drop in with these every week. You should send us your, your run pass or right. boot every week, your I submission to one of the two of us. I like that sure. idea. Especially if it continues. I, it has to involve Arby's every time. It's <laughs> That's a, I like that challenge. I can do that. <laughs> All right, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Excellent debut. All right. Excellent Thank debut. Thank you for having You're me You're ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay will be back next week uh, for our bonus episode, as I mentioned earlier. We are going to have Dane Brugler, uh, our, our college prospect uh, expert. We're going to talk about the top of next year's draft. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks. We're going to talk about Chase Young. We're going to talk about all those guys. Uh, that is coming up as our bonus episode behind the athletic uh, paywall. That's so. If you're a subscriber, you have that one for free. If not, highly recommend being a subscriber. There's so much good stuff up right now on the site. I can't mean Justin Williams. Uh, his uh, profile of John Brandon is incredible. Uh, Trent has a great story on David Bell. We have all the inside behind the scenes info of this Bengals season that's going on. It's up right now this week. Uh, I mean, there is just so much good stuff on there right now. I can't recommend it enough. And if you're sitting here talking about how much you just want to know more about next year's draft and what really the Bengals had to look forward to, it's the only hope. Well, the uh, the bonus pod this week with Dane and Joe Goodberry, who did a thing on Joe on Joe Burrow last week. Uh, we'll have both of those guys on the bonus pod, so look out for that. That will be out here later this week, and then we'll be back next week uh, to dive right back in. Obviously, no walkout, but uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. So 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Dave for hopping in, and uh, thanks to Jay, who is gallivanting. Uh, we will uh, talk to you later.